Live to see a trend and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all. The one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I am great. I'm great. Glad to uh, be having another amazing Wednesday program. New space hey, have we lined right? up the amazing this way, yeah, this week, huh? That's All right. right. I call this race. show New Space Race plus Pizza Delivering and Taxpaying Robots. Okay, <laughs> That's right. Um, so and and I would have given it more title, but that's about all you can fit in a blog talk radio <laughs> title field. So I feel, I, feel right. like we've, I feel like we're delivering on all cylinders here. And let's not waste any time. Let's jump into the amazing. What do you say? Uber CEO predicts humanoid robots will deliver pizza. AI chatbots will be in self-driving cars. This was so cool. And I don't know why this one didn't plaster my Facebook. I'm, we're going we're gonna to talk on Friday about the stories that just show up over and over and over again in my, in my news feed on Facebook. And we'll compare with yours. But this is one that I would have expected, and I haven't seen it. I had to find yeah. it myself. I, I was out browsing, and I was like, well, this is huge. Why hasn't this one, th- this one been repeated? Because I love this idea. Basically, you got the... CEO of Uber, and he's talking about one of the big problems of a self-driving pizza delivery, which is the car gets to your house, but we've got that last couple hundred feet. We've got how do you get the pizza from the car to the door? Now, one solution to that, of course, is that you have a drone and that the drone is going to uh, fly right up to your house, or maybe it's going to drop it into a box and then you have to go out. And, of course, he says you you could go out to the car. Yeah. You, you know, you could go out to the car, but currently we get better service than that. Currently, somebody comes up to your door. And if you're, yeah. as he points out, home with kids or whatever, maybe you don't want to walk out. Maybe you don't want to walk out in the rain and get a pizza from a car or, or pick it up from a box. So there's only one possible solution, Stephen, don't you think? Some guy with a robot. And <laughs> I think uh, now the Uber CEO uh, predicts a humanoid robot walking it up to the door. I don't know if that's necessarily the most efficient way. I don't know necessarily that you have to have a SEMO or one of his kin walking the pizza up there. I think it might be easier to have the drone fly from the uh, uh, back and, you know, back and forth from the uh, pizza delivery van. And, you know, this particular uh, delivery thing could have multiple drones that are flying pizzas to various houses in the neighborhood and and, and, uh, meeting up with the mothership uh, pizza delivery truck, right? Right. And, and uh, you know, that could be happening all the time. So, and then plugging in and, and, and recharging for the next uh, next delivery. That could be happening. So, I, whatever. It could, it, could be, uh, it could be something like that, or it could be something mounted on a, what, what looks like a Segway or something. You know, have yeah, two I, wheels. I think the drone idea is pretty good because you you don't then need a robot that has to cover all these different kinds of tr- terrain, climb stairs, all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're in an apartment, there's still a problem um, because a, you a, a even pizza have, guy can come to the door, can ring the bell, say, pizza, 
and then you can buzz him in, and then he comes up and gives you your pizza if you, if right. you live in an apartment. If, the, if it's a human driver, you can do that. Hard to do that with either a drone. Um, well, I guess it's not hard to do it with a robot. It's just you have to have a pretty sophisticated robot to do that. That is a. You could even get into a gate. I mean, what if the house is gated? You know, you don't even have to bu- be buzzed in. The drone flies right over the gate, tro- drops the pizza at the front door, rings the doorbell, and is back at the truck. Uh, that, I, to me, the drone just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I don't think it can just drop it, though. I think the drone has to wait until you come out and you enter a code or something, and then it releases the pizza to you. Otherwise, yeah. there's a risk of, you know, somebody else getting the pizza it dropping it at the wrong house, you know, there's, there's all that kind of, I don't know. Workout isn't, but yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's process management issues around, around robot delivery. I have to say though, if there were robots, a la Mr. Data from Star Trek, he would make an outstanding pizza delivery guy. Okay. It would be, uh, (laughs) arguably there are better applications for data. I'm not going to say that there aren't, you know, science chief science officer on a starship, comes to mind, but he'd be a very good pizza delivery guy. He's very smart. He would, he would stand there. He'd ring the bell. You know, he'd come up. He'd be real polite. It would, it would be awesome. I, I think it's a, it's a great idea. I just think it's overkill technology. You're, 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 <laughs> he could also and jump over the gate. He could jump over the fence. I mean, he could uh, jump he, over he, the gate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah. You, well, actually, I don't right. know how to. Yeah, how do. How does the Domino's guy get into a gated community? They just see the thing and let him in. Gonna, there's going to have to be a code. You know, you have to give the Domino's guy your code. Yeah, or uh, something. Or something. You know, or ring him in somehow. But yeah. uh, this this could uh, this could bypass uh, some of those issues. So yeah, I, my vote is drone. I just think that that would work out. Uh, yeah, although I can I can picture gated communities having all kinds of rules about drones and having all yeah, kinds of pre- preventative too. measures around. Yeah around drones. I don't know. See, here I thought we had a cut and dried wonderful story and we've just opened up a whole Pandora's box. We were saying <laughs> yesterday that we could do every show about about human hacking. I bet we could do every show about how in the world are we going to deliver pizzas in the future, okay? And <laughs> or at least drones are are, you know, robots in general. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I want to get specific. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> a daily podcast discussing how pizzas are going to be delivered in the future. I feel like that sure, would be really. Sure we'd run out of stuff to talk about. This, but... <laughs> I never would. Not not in a million years. Um, but 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 that that would be that would be really tapping the potential of the internet right there. I think it's finally you know paying off on all this potential. Yeah, two guys spending an hour a day talking about how pizzas will be delivered, and especially if it just went on for years, and by then. The solutions were already implemented. You know, we're still working on it, though. Well, if you had something like the Lost in Space robot, okay, because he's got those hooks. And anyway, all right, this is this has turned into another geek thing. We gotta we gotta move, gotta move away. What's our next amazing story? Well, Trump administration investigating the large scale development of space with private uh, companies, uh, SpaceX and Blue Origin, uh, being likely winners in this. And uh, I, I, I want to be bipartisan for a moment and just say that uh, the Obama years were not bad times for commercial space either, were they, Bill? No, uh, no. Uh, he kind of set the stage for Trump here, in fact. Exactly. By, so uh, By kind of moving no, things in that direction. Right. So if, uh, if, uh, if you're on the left and, and, and want to oppose everything that Trump's doing, 
perhaps lighten up on this one aspect, perhaps. Uh, you continue to march all you like on other issues, but on this, um, if, uh, if he's coming out in favor of SpaceX and Blue Origin, uh, I think that's not a bad thing, and it should be applauded. Um, so uh, I, I suppose you saw over the weekend that uh, SpaceX was, made another successful launch. It was on Sunday. Phil, and um, they uh, launched for the space station and uh, successfully uh, recovered uh, the launch vehicle um, out at sea on their platform. So uh, that's just awesome that they can do that. They they had to scrub one on Saturday. My kids and I were watching on Saturday for the countdown and everything, and I think they they reached about two minutes on the countdown or something like that and had to scrub. They didn't didn't like something that they were seeing. There's some issue. Right, but, uh, they were not able to work out, and so the next launch window was on Sunday morning, and they made that one. So um, that's that's incredible. A, a private uh, private company doing orbital spaceflight that is not an easy thing, and they're and delivering to the space to the space station. You it's have huge. to have it down to the minute. You have to. It's have huge, and it's now. interesting to to see on Facebook when people are watching this live, and you think back to back when we used to watch NASA missions live and you know still do i suppose if you you know where to go to look for them but back when that used to be this big shared experience on network television uh, decades ago now the shared experience is watching a private company do some of those same kinds of things people people were watching when the first man was sent into space when the first uh, american man uh, first uh, man was sent into orbit etc and those were those were big news stories big shared experiences and it was all this national U.S. government-funded project, and now it's this one company doing this stuff. Yeah. And 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 when you, when you tune in, you're just kind of watching what what one company does. And that that shift of models is so big. But one of the things I found really interesting about this is that Trump is kind of playing the two models off each other. That he doesn't mind having there be some competition between what they're calling old space and new space. That NASA and the traditional contractors who develop technology for them, that's old space. Let them come up with what they can come up with. Let them deliver what they can deliver. And new space, uh, uh, Blue Origin and SpaceX and and others that are probably going to be coming along, let them develop what they're good at. And if there's overlap, if there's crossover, let them compete. Let them compete with each other. It seems like everybody gets better. In, in that model, rather than just saying old model bad, new model good, it's we'll take the best of everything. Uh, th- that just seems like a really good approach to me. It's it, it, to some extent, it's just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, but there's wisdom in that, I think, because um, if if one model is just not working out, and let's say old space just uh, falls away, and NASA becomes something like the FAA for spaceflight. Hey, that's not a bad that's not a bad future, is it? No. But uh, provided that uh, we continue to push into space and 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 the future becomes something awesome because we're we're going to Mars, we're we're going further, and 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 we're doing it with private businesses, and we're doing it to stay because we can make money there. That's awesome. That's awesome. But anyway, yeah, I I, I wanted also to mention the fact of, of where this launch on Sunday happened were you aware phil that uh that that this was at uh, pad 39a the historic launch pad of apollo of apollo launches and everything 
SpaceX is making a big deal out of the fact that, hey, we're the guys now. You know, we're launching from the same place that uh, all the Apollo missions took off from. We're, we're, we're leading the way now. We're, we're, the, we're, the big, we're the big dogs. They're trying yeah, to I had, make I, I, had, I had heard that, and I think it's extremely cool. I think it's wonderful yeah, yeah. That, that they're launching from there. I want to see manned missions launched from there. I want to see a mission yeah. from the moon launched from there. That, that, would be, that would be so sweet. And maybe not that far off. We've, we've, yeah. Heard, yeah. You know, we've heard talk of a return. In fact, this story talks about a return to the moon by 2020, uh, potentially. Construction of privately operated space stations and the redirection of NASA's mission to large-scale economic development of space. It could all start happening here real soon. Uh, you know, 2020 is three years from now. That's, that's like, yeah, that's no time at all. I yeah. Mean, we choose to go to the moon in three years. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Get a, let's get up to speed and do it. Man. Uh, that's, uh, we, we're not even giving ourselves a decade, are we? It's, uh, well, we're I, I, you know what? I mean, that's the way it should work. When Kennedy yeah. said that, he gave himself 10 years because we had never even sent anybody in space. Right. We, we had we had no years. yeah you know ten yeah. years seemed like a pretty good cushion and we beat the, we beat the ten years but today Barely. we got rockets yeah. we've been to the moon we've done all this it it shouldn't take twenty years it shouldn't take forty years it should take about three years to yeah. to, to put a program I tell like you, that if together. we were if if we had a serious reason for going to the moon right now if if there was you know a billion dollar check sitting on the moon for somebody to go pick up okay. Right. You know, somebody be there picking it up in six months. I'm telling yeah. you, Phil, if there was a compelling reason to to get to the moon and get there quickly, we could be there. It's yeah, not. You'd probably have to spend nine hundred million to get there and back, but still, you'd get, get that billion dollar check. You'd clear a hundred million, you know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> and to get to be the company that went to the moon, right? So that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right, that's, no, it's uh, true, though. If there was some reason, if, if the alien said, look, we've planted an explosive device on the moon, it's going to destroy your whole planet, it's going to go off in six months, we'd be there in three months, right? Yeah. You can, you right. can easily diffuse it, but you've got to go there yourselves. Bye. Be like, boy, <laughs> psycho aliens, okay, but we'd have to deal with it, you know? We'd... <laughs> he, he, would, he'd be, he would look exactly like Marvin the Martian, that particular alien. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he would. But, yeah, we could get to the moon quickly if we had a compelling reason to get there. But uh, three, three years is still quick, and um, I would love, I'd love to see it happen. I, I, I have no memory of, uh, of us being on, uh, going to the moon because I was, I was, born, I was born the year that, uh, that we went to the moon, Phil. Mm. And uh, by the time I was old enough to appreciate the space race, you know, it was pretty right. much over. Apollo was pretty much over. I, uh, I do. I do recall Skylab. That's, right. That's, that's, yeah. But uh, that's about the extent. It's just of a kind of shadow memory. program after uh, after yeah. Apollo. Yeah. That's about. At least it, they yeah. use the big you, rockets. You, you remember. You remember. You have. Uh, uh, you're, you're just a few years older than me. You, you remember some of the uh, later missions, I'm sure. No, I remember. I remember uh, Neil Armstrong. I, I, I remember watching. Really? That with my, okay. Yeah, with my family on TV. Uh, what, what you know? What I remember most about it is uh, I was seven years old. Um, how hard it was to see what was going on. Uh, you know, it was this yeah. fuzzy satellite transmission from the moon, and I'm like, is that his helmet? Is that a man? But I, I, I do, I do remember, I do remember seeing it, and it, it, it was an exciting time because it was like, well, here's, you know, I'm a kid, and here's this thing that's never been done before in the history of humanity, and we're just at the beginning, just at yeah. the beginning. 
you know, and now 50 years later, more or less, uh, we've, you know, we've really not done much more than go to the moon. I mean, we've done a lot of things, but in terms of shooting farther out into space or, or having a permanent uh, settlement there or any of that kind of stuff, we've not done it. And that's yeah. why this is exciting. It's like, okay, well, let's get caught up and we can get back to the moon in no time because technology has developed and we've already done it. And let's move on to some of these other things. Let's privatize space. Let's have uh, – I love the idea of commercial space stations. I think that's awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, there are some prerequisite technologies that we really probably should have had before going to the moon, but we push forward without them. Yeah. Like computers, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had guys literally using – and it mostly was guys back then, right? Guys mostly – they were using slide rules and, and, and mission control. I'm not even joking. I'm not – that's – uh, there was, it was it was a steampunk pro- program. If ever we've had anything like that, it, it was. Yeah. They were they were doing stuff uh, far beyond what the technology should have should have allowed. But we were doing it because we felt compelled to do it. Uh, we our compelling reason to go at that point was uh, beating the beating the Soviets, and and we did. We, well, we chose our finish line well. Uh, we, we, we said, uh, you know, the heck with you guys going into orbit and all that. Uh, that's, that's child's play. We're going to the moon. And we set that as the finish line, and, and we beat them to the moon. And, and that, was, that was the end of that. We, we won the space race because of it. Uh, so. And our space, state, our space program kind of fizzled after that or yeah. went, went along we, in a we kind lacked, of limping we lacked way. lacked a compelling goal after after that, yeah, because because we had set that as a goal. So here, when you start talking about some of these newer goals, and by the way, before we get too far from it, it was mostly guys, but hidden figures. Okay, there were women, there were black women. Okay, we don't want to we, we don't want to forget anybody who's who contributed. There 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 were some amazing people behind the scenes doing this with flight rules. I, I didn't know? mean yeah, I, I, I didn't mean anything by that, of course. Uh, I'm I'm saying nowadays it's not just guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and back then it wasn't either, but. Uh, uh, the, the the faces on the program were white guys back then, and now it's uh, now we're a lot more diverse in our yeah, absolutely. So that's not not a bad thing, is it? It's, it's so, a wonderful thing. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm I'm super psyched about a a rapid and affordable return to the moon and privately operated space stations. I really hope that uh, the president pushes ahead with some of these initiatives. Um, and and yeah. I think this this trade off, this tension between old space and new space, could be exactly the way to do it. It's big. And it's bold, and it's the it's just exactly the kind of thinking we need. Uh, we need to get back some of that JFK style new frontier. You know, the future is ahead of us, and wonderful things are going to happen. Attitude in this country, and maybe that would be one way to uh, to, to get some of that back. I'd, I'd like to think uh, so. The anyway. sky is no longer the limit. Let's just go for it. Right? <laughs> Pan, so. Pan Am, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Hey, how about this next story? Bill Gates says the robot that takes your job should pay taxes. Now, thank you, Bill Gates, for catching up for uh, with us because we've been talking about taxing the machines for <laughs> at least 10 years. And, of course, we didn't come up with the idea. John Smart introduced that idea to us. Um, and I think he was repeating it from someone else too. So not not to uh, not not to say that. Um, well, but when Bill 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 says it, then people are going to listen. And I think this is fantastic uh, that uh, he, he is saying it because. Uh, well, what do you think, Phil? We we talked last week about something uh, other than universal basic income, right? If if a robot that takes your job pays taxes, does that go to pay for universal basic income, 
or maybe it could be uh, what we talked about uh, with uh, Brian Wong last week, right? Maybe that it's paying universal basic power. Right. Maybe uh, there's like maybe there's some universal basic infrastructure. Yeah. Maybe UBI should be universal basic infrastructure rather than universal basic income that that could be supported. And part of that infrastructure might be power. Part of it might be the means of production. That was one of the comments that somebody left over on, I think, uh, techno-optimism. They said what we need is universal uh, means of production. And I, I, think, I think that might be true. Um, the, the thing is, however that works, however that pans out, whatever that whatever that turns into, how do you fund that? Where does that money come from? Well, traditionally you would fund it at least in part through government programs, which would come derived from taxation. But the thing is, if, if robots are putting everybody out of work, where does the money come from to, uh, you know, to, to, to generate those taxes? And Gates says, well, it's very simple. You've got to tax the robots. If, right. If, Absolutely, you've got to. If... Uh, if if, if uh, you're no longer if, if you're no longer working and therefore you can't pay taxes out of an income, it's it's got to come from the, the things that are making income. The entities that make income at that point are the entities that are have have robots, so they get taxed. The corporations get taxed, and uh, I, I don't see a way around that. Okay, so here's where I kind of see this pro, this this scenario that Gates is coming up with breaking down a little bit because what I'm seeing from him is a model where we're taking people out of the workforce because robots are taking their jobs. We're putting them into positions that are more human-centric. That's great, making teachers out of them, making caregivers out of them, something like that. He says, how do we pay for that? Well, we tax the machines. And I think that's true anyway. As we've said, you have to tax the machines if you're going to keep the system afloat. If the, the revenue that we used to rely on for, uh, from taxpayers is going to be is going to be available, it's going to have to come from the robots that replace them. Where I feel that his model isn't, isn't quite capturing everything that's happening is it, it seems to me that he's describing a future scenario where we've got these like the Uber CEO's humanoid robots, right? His pizza delivery robots doing construction jobs, right? He, he seems to be talking about a world where there, you know, a human has been doing a very physical kind of a job and now a robot comes in and takes it over. But really, where are the robots taking jobs away? I think the word robot is throwing us off a little bit, right? Because yeah. what if you look at present-day Microsoft, where they probably hire a lot fewer developers per project than they used to because so much of the software engineering is automated, right? And if you look at companies, we've talked about this many times, how Google, Apple, Facebook, some of these biggest companies in the world hire very few people. Why? Because so much of what they do is automated. Right. And wouldn't they be required to pay a huge robot tax because of all the headcount that they should have that they don't have? It seems to me if you don't incorporate that piece of it, um, what he's, what he's comes, saying doesn't really amount to much. Well, it just comes down to a huge uh, corporate uh, income tax, I guess, which we kind of already have in the United States. Uh, yeah. Uh, our corporate uh, income taxes are, are higher, higher than uh, most other countries. Um, but I guess it's, it's going to have to be higher still the more and more automated they get. And quite frankly, they're going to be able to afford it because they're making more money because they have a, uh, you know, a smaller human footprint to, to deal with, right? So, but, yeah, but what uh, you would need is some kind of realistic assessment of how much of that 
corporate income is coming from automation. Because if you've got a big company that's, that's employing lots and lots of people, you'd be paying at a different rate. You don't have the robots there to tax. I mean, you'd still be paying your corporate. So it's not just a flat, straight-up increase in corporate income tax. It's a very specific tax on the companies that are best leveraging automation. Those are the ones that you... Well, I, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a good way to do it because, you know, we've mentioned this a couple of times, Phil, that it's, you know, let's, let's say that my town can support, you know, 10 people that do what I do, Okay. And it's not going to be a, a, a single machine that comes along and, and like, puts me out of work, right? The way, the way we, uh, the, we kind of talked about this on a, on a program, I think it was probably a couple of weeks ago, is that there are, you know, a hundred things that my job requires me to do. And two or three of them get automated every year. Two or three of these tasks that I, I used to do in my job get automated every year. And so now all of a sudden... In, instead of uh, my town supporting ten of people that do what I do, now they can only support really nine, because right. and and the amount of work that's left to do that hasn't been automated away is decrease is decreasing every single year, and and then four or five years maybe only five five uh, people can do what I do in my town, because it's just less and less automated uh, non automated work that's required for the people who do what I do. Let's say. And so that, and so you can never point to a single machine and say that stupid machine got my job. You can't because it's just it happens. It's it's uh, sort of uh, it happens behind the scenes, and you don't you don't you don't really see it happening. And yeah, uh, but if you look at you if just, you look at how you if you look at how you tax an organization, right? If you talk about taxing the machines, I guess I'm yeah. saying that a, a, a typical successful law firm that's still employing a lot of humans would pay a different tax rate, different corporate tax rate, than, say, LegalZoom, right, which, yeah. which has pulled as many humans as it possibly can out of the system, right, that, that, that wherever the business is built on automating human labor, on, on taking humans out of the process and re- replacing it with machine labor, that, that that's where you would incur that tax. And I'm not sure that there's a perfect way to do that, but it would certainly be less than optimal to just set all corporate taxes sky high because then the only companies that could afford them anyway would be the ones that are, that are, it seems like that would create a spiral, right? It would cycle it so that it would, it would, it would rush the, the takeover of the robots almost. Law firms are often considered, you know, one of the areas that are sort of, you know, technological backwaters, you know, they don't, they don't, they haven't changed much over the years. You know, automation hadn't touched them all that much. Well, Here's the thing. Um, in the in the 80s, my father was about my age uh, and doing about as much business as I do. And he had uh, he he had at that time uh, five or six assistants to do what he the level of work that he did. Okay, he, he, that's how many that's how many assistants that he required. He kept them all hopping all the time. And um, I I cover uh, you know I I. I I'm as busy now as he was then, mm-hmm. and I have two. I have two right. assistants, and um, and 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 uh, my my brother is as well, and he also has two. And that really, the only reason we have two is because he's covering two offices, and I'm covering two offices, and we have to have a warm body in an office, right? Right. It's automation really has hit the legal community too. 
So, I mean, even well, okay. A, even so yeah, you guys would pay more. I'm not saying you wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, no. I'm saying that you wouldn't pay as much as LegalZoom, right? That's the point. No, no, those guys. Uh, I mean, they're all automation. And then of course Google is. You know, 100% automation, practically, yeah. right? Maybe, so, maybe the corporate tax rate would actually have to be reset. They, they do some kind of model based on, like, 1979, right? What would this business look like in 1979? It would be really fun to apply it. this. at all. That's the, that's yeah. the problem. You know, most of, the, most of the businesses are just not possible. Yeah. It would not have been possible for my dad to do what I'm doing and right. Just he, he couldn't he couldn't cover two offices. But you can, you can do a rough comparison and say you're covering as yeah. many cases yeah. and you're doing it with two assistants. And yeah. say in 1979, right, he was covering mm-hmm. uh, the same number of cases but with six assistants, right? Something, some formula yeah. like that could be, could be put in place to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to tax the machine. So, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Stephen. Your tax rates are going up, but that's all there is to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Either that or you've got to hire I, some assistants. I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess so. I mean, and, and, hey, you know what? That might be a way to, <laughs> to sort of a backwater to, uh, to encourage people to, uh, to hire, right? Yeah. You know, if you if you hire a few more people, hire humans, taxes, and you get a tax break. Humans, That's right. You get a tax break. That's do right. it all. Do it all with machines, and you pay through the nose. Mm-hmm. Actually, we got to we got to revisit this. This uh, th- this this sounds like something that I don't know. There could be something there. Well, listen, we're, we're just about to wrap up the show, but I, I'm sorry to give you the bad news on your taxes, Stephen. But I want to give you some good news before we <laughs> before we close. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but McDonald's has re-engineered the drinking straw using the Fibonacci formula. Okay, we've talked about the Fibonacci model before um, to let you enjoy your shamrock shake more. Now, I'm sure you like a shamrock shake as much as the next guy. It's a limited oh, time man. thing, it, right? Who doesn't, right? right. Green shake. But you know what? I, I, was, I was thinking the last time I was having one that, you know what? There's just not enough mint here. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> this cho- it's just too much chocolate, not enough mint. I got I to gotta have, you know, I got to have it. Uh, it's got to be fed to me uh, by way of... Uh, the Fibonacci formula. And yeah, how can we get the mix of mint and chocolate right? Well, just follow the link, folks, and you'll see that <laughs> McDonald's has engineers, top people working on this. And this is the glorious kind of work that becomes available. This is what gets freed up, the creative potential that gets freed up once uh, once the robots start doing all the grunt work for us. Okay, So That's we're right. talking about a straw that delivers the perfect mix of chocolate and mint in your shamrock shake. And... I don't know. This is, you know, we're a month out from St. Patrick's Day, but I am super psyched already based on this story. I, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I, I'm definitely going to have to order one and uh, and and check it. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the, these straws. I, I'm not I'm not getting the feeling that uh, these straws will be in every single one of their uh, shamrock shakes, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely have to order one and see if it's got a special straw. One day, if not if, if not this year, but some St. Patrick's Day from now, you're going to have that perfect shake. I'm looking forward to that. And you know what, Stephen, when you do, it's going to be amazing. All right, well, that's going <laughs> to do right. it for this Wednesday. We're going to be back on Friday with another one of our special All Elon Musk shows, plus other geeks, so that's going to be fun. Hope you'll all be able to join us for that. Stephen, great talking with you. Great being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. 